Um, we did a standalone message kind of about turning the page, the beginning of a, of a new year, to let go of that which is old and, and be prepared for that which lies ahead. And we talked about the fact that when you turn the page in a, in a book or a story, um, that, that you know what's going on before just as we know what happened last year and the year before and so forth. But we don't know what's going to happen this year. So we have to trust the author of it. And so we learned correct attitudes to have that could help us to do that, which involved learning to let go of what's behind and pressing on towards what's ahead. Well, the message today is really not directly related to that. It's, it's laying a foundation for something. Uh, I'm interesting today than, uh, uh, than in another week, two weeks, I'll be ministering along this same line again. And then there's going to be a, 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 some others coming and speaking. Uh, we're going to be away for a few weeks. And then when we come back, in, in, uh, we're going to begin a program, not just a message, but a program that's going to help each one of you together learn how to follow Him in a way that's very practical in your life. It's one thing to come to church and hear a message to be inspired and learn searching principles about following Jesus. But it's another thing to learn how to take that home and apply it in my daily life. When I get up tomorrow and go to work, when you go to school, whatever it is, how do I integrate that into my life? Because it's only there that you learn it. In school, when in order for them to teach you something, they give you the information, and then they send you home with something called home. Only three of you ever had that, I guess. <laughs> it's home work. So as I begin to put in practice what I hear, it begins to come a part of my life. The Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Jesus said to his disciples, blessed are you, not just if you hear it, blessed are you if you do it, if you put it into action in your life. So we're going to do some things together that will help us learn how to do that. And I, am just, I can see down the road, it's going to set this place on fire. Because you're going to begin to know the Lord at a level like you've never known Him before. But to do that, I believe, believe to lay a foundation for that. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. And I've been meditating on this scripture. I've known it for years. I learned it in Bible school 40 years ago. That's a long time. <laughs> I learned it there. I've been, read it so many times. I've taught on it. But something happens when you meditate on it. And there's something God wants us to see this morning that many of you may know if I ever asked you the question. But He wants us to see it at a different level. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Have you ever been in a situation and you heard a message or you opened your Bible and saw a scripture that you've known for years and suddenly it, it jumps off the page at you? It has a meaning to you it never had before? It's always meant the same thing. You were in a different position usually because we're in some desperate need. So because we're in some desperate need, our ears are more tuned to it because we know we need help. And God may have been saying the same thing to you for quite a while, but it wasn't until you got your tail in a crack and couldn't get yourself out of it that you were open to find out, God, what are you trying to say? And now you could hear. So it's never on God's end. It's always on our end. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today, which is preparing us for what God wants to do in our lives. Very familiar verses, Proverbs chapter 2, 4, verses 20. I'm in chapter 20, verse 4. Proverbs 4, verse 20. I know it by heart, but I want to speak it. My son, give it... I'm going to read down through it, and then I'm going to go back through it. 
My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for their life, life to those who find them, and health. Some translations say medicine to all this fle- all their flesh. This verse is used very often as a healing verse. God's word, when it gets in your heart, will bring healing to your body. And then verse twenty three says, "Keep your heart with." all diligence for out of it flow the springs or the spring the issues of life so let's go back to verse 20 my son this is the advice from a father to a son give attention to my words so the father's telling the son my words have a weight to them they have a significance to them There are many words that you hear during a day. A child, a, a young, this is directed to a young, uh, like a teenager. Solomon speaking this to his son. So, so you know, you're going to hear many words today. Many words in school, many words from other classmates, many words. But my words should have a weight to you. My words should draw your attention like no one else's words. Unfortunately, today, teenagers grow up often with the idea that their parents' words have the least impact, the least significance. And that doesn't just happen by accident. We won't go there right now because we don't have time. But my son... The King James says, attend to my words. I like that better than give attention. Give attention means I've... But to attend to something implies there's an active, intentional... In fact, in, attend to has the word intention. The root of intention is in there. So to attend to something, you don't just casually stumble on it and do it. You don't just go through it by rote activity because it's part of my habit. Like brushing your teeth in the morning or eating breakfast. But, but something that's important to you, you attend to it. Because you can brush your teeth and you can eat and your mind is miles away. Many of you that get up in the morning and you actually spend time reading the Word. I used to, I've had this experience where I'm reading the Word and my mind is all over the place except on, I'm reading the Word, but I'm not attending to it. To attend to it means I have purposely decided I'm going to focus on this because I need to get what's in there. It's to pay attention to, to attend to. And we'll look more at that next time. It implies a focus It implies an effort because sometimes you've got to press through things that are distracting you in order to attend to something. I remember years ago when I decided, this was when I was practicing law in the office, was an hour away from here up in Worcester. And I would get up, I don't remember, I had, I had to leave to get there, but I, would, I started getting up at five in the morning to pray. When the moment I decided to do that, my mind would scream to me in the morning when I'm going to die. If you get up at five, you're going to die. You'll run out of energy before you finish the day. You know, you won't be able to, you won't, you won't, you know, this is, this is the worst time of day. You're going to get the least out of it. You're so sleepy, you won't get anything out of it. And I go down to my basement, I open my Bible, and I sit there, and I try to focus on the Word, and instead of going to sleep, my mind was on every other thing. I was going through the agenda for the day. It's amazing how my mind told me if I got up to read the Bible, I'd fall asleep. But when I got in front of the Bible, instead of being asleep, my mind was every other way. And I really, wait a minute. All of that is designed to keep me from attending to this Word. So to attend to it means far more than read it. It requires a decision on your part every time you're going to do this, and it desires an intentional going after this Word. Attend to my words. 
This is God speaking to us this morning. Attend to my words. My words should have a significance to you above every other word that you're going to hear today. Not Pastor John's, but God's words. This is a father speaking to his children. And God's words are different than any other words that can be spoken because God's words are creative. The universe was created by God's words. They're held together by the words of His power. God's words are like no other words. Attend to my words. And He's going to tell us how. Incline your ear to my saying. There was a commercial years ago. E.F. Hutton says. Was that what it was? You know, and yet people just kind of... Oh, E.F. Hutton says this, talking about investments. You know, and people talk about, all of a sudden when somebody mentioned E.F. Hutton, oh, i got to hear what they have to say. Why? Because I want to make some money. So, but this is God, not E.F. Hutton. E.F. Hutton used educated guesses to decide, to advise you what's going to happen to stocks. God knows. In fact, God can cause it to happen. Incline your ear that means lean into it. Lean. For, what happens when somebody's talking at a table and you want to hear what they say? You go, would you see that again? I, I, just, I couldn't hear you. And you may cup your ear like this to hear what somebody has to say. Why? Because you want to hear what they have to say because you value what they're saying. Let them not... Go to verse 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Now that doesn't mean... Well, nowadays we can with a smartphone because people walk around just like this, you know. But what are you looking at? And I'm not suggesting you walk around like that, but if you're going to, what is, is who's, who's on Facebook talking to you or, you know, who's baby burp last or, you know, what, what, what... Now think about this. Whatever you're looking at on there, what's it adding to your life? What's it doing to strengthen you and encourage you? What's it doing to help you to draw closer to the Lord? So Solomon is saying, attend to my word by inclining your ear. Listen to what I'm saying to you. And don't let my words depart from your eyes. In other words, keep focused on them. You, may, you obviously can't do that when you're driving, but you can think about it. You can keep those words in front of you. That requires work. It requires discipline. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it won't happen if you don't start. And then you begin to experience the blessing of it, how your life begins to change. We'll probably talk more about that next time. What you'll find that, that God's, because God's Word is in front of you all the time, you're going to find faith is easy where it was hard before. You're going to find you can hear from God much more easily than you could before. It's by simply following His simple directions. This is kind of like a doctor's prescription. You go to the doctor and he listens to you and maybe you do some blood work and he said, here, here's a prescription, go get this filled. And of course, what happens if you don't get it filled? You don't get the medicine. It doesn't do you any good. We're very quick to take the prescription that a doctor gave us. We're very quick. The doctor said, if you fill this prescription, then you take this pills, that sickness will go away from you in three to five days, that infection. 
So what do we do? And I'm not saying we shouldn't. With great faith in that little piece of paper, and now it's done electronically, we march down to Walgreens or CVS or wherever it is, and we stand in line because we know that if I get that bottle of pills and I follow the instructions on there, I know that in three days this is going to leave me. Why? Because the doctor said so. I am attending to His Word. I incline my ear to hear what the doctor had to say. And now I'm going to act on it because that word, that prescription contains instructions of how often many pills you're to take and how often you're to take them. And if you go back in 10 days and you said, Doctor, this hasn't gone away, what's the first question he's going to ask you? Did you take the medicine and did you follow the instructions? And we would never think, boy, is he a lousy doctor. I went to him and I laid my need in front of him and he, 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 he didn't heal me. He's a lo- Whoa. Yes, sir. <laughs> We'd never think to do that. Why? Because we know where the problem is. Because the doctor said, did you take the medicine? And we'll say, oh no. He said, well, of course you're not going to get well. In fact, one of the times with, with antibiotics, like, make sure you take all the pills because you'll start to feel better before they're gone. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you, don't show your hand, how many of you, because you started feeling better, stopped taking the medicine and it came back? And the doctor's going to say, did you take all the medicine? And we've got that kind of faith. And confidence in a doctor because he's got a degree on his wall. And we've got some wonderful doctors in this congregation. And if it weren't for them, many of us would be dead. But how much more should we take the prescription that God our Father... The doctor may care about you if you're a friend, but when you leave, there's another patient coming in. And so they may only thought, you know, I get a physical once a year, and that's, thank God, is the only time I see my doctor, because I'm well the rest of the year. And, you know, we've got a relationship with each other because he's been my doctor for a long time, and he respects what I do. But but most of the time, they don't really, they may care about you because they're a doctor, but they're not going to call you. They're not going to make house calls. Some of you are like me. You're old enough when the doctor would actually come to your house. Now there's a thing where it's online. You can get a doctor to prescribe something for you just over your phone. I'm not going there. The whole point is this. In these verses, God has given a prescription for health and for life. So we need to attend to this word, to this prescription. We need to incline our ear to what the doctor says to us. And one of that prescription is, don't let it out of your sight. Yes, when you're driving, yes, doesn't mean you've got to have the Bible in front of you. But you know, the more you read it, the more you can just talk it to yourselves. 
We were coming over. We said, we're looking at, and he said, I need, a, I need a scripture. I want to speak a scripture. And I said, well, listen to this. How about Psalm 23? You know it by heart from a kid. The Lord is my shepherd. That's God's word. The Spirit of God can take that word and begin to build things out of it. But instead we think about what's wrong. My body hurts here. How am I going to pay the bills tomorrow? We're going to talk about what those things are. If I don't get moving along, we won't. So keep them in the midst of your heart. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Because this is about God's garden, but today's message is about the soil. Because in this picture you see soil and you see the plant. And today we're going to talk about the soil. The soil of God's garden. So f- for, go back to verse 21. Keep them. Keep my words in the middle of your heart. Well, in order to keep it in the middle of your heart, you've got to get it into your heart. And what's the benefit of it? Verse 22. For they, my words, into your heart are life. And that's not just biological life. That's the life of God inside of you. You've heard me say over the last few weeks, you're not, a, you're not just a human being. You're not just a man. You're not just... One third of you is God. Yes. You are a spirit being, a child of God. We sang that this morning in several different ways. You are a child of God. Well, what is God? That's, you're His offspring. You're His child. He lives in you by His presence and by His Spirit inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, think of that, dwells in you. But most of us are not experiencing it. Most of us hear that and we walk into the rest of our day, the rest of our week, like we're average, ordinary people. And so we get discouraged, we get depressed, we get into situations, we get overwhelmed by circumstances. Because we forget who we are. How's that going to change? My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life. They, the words sown in your heart will take the life of God that's already been birthed in you and bring it to the outside of you. Change your thinking, change your attitude, change your body. And He's health medicine to all your flesh. That's God's prescription for getting you well. Now look at verse 23. We're going to have a light show in here today, I guess. This is so powerful. No, right now. Keep your heart. Not your head. Not your mind. This is what we're going to focus on today. The part of you that God considers soil in which He plants His seed or someone else plants their seed. And it's your heart. Not the physical pump in here and not your mind. Keep. King James says, guard your heart. Look at this. This is so powerful. With all diligence. Think for a moment about what in your life right now you're diligent about. Not what you should be. What are you diligent about? Maybe, it, maybe, maybe it's, your, it's, it's your work. Maybe it's, it's your keeping your house clean. 
Maybe it's you're, you're, you're on a diet and you're diligent about that. What is, it you're, what is it you're the most diligent about in your life right now? And you may say, I'm not diligent about anything. Well, you're diligent about not being diligent. <laughs> not really. Whatever you're, listen carefully, whatever you're the most diligent about right now is what you've decided is the most important thing for you. Guard your heart. This is what God is saying. It may be your job that you're the most diligent about. It may be your family that you're the most diligent about. It may be your health, because they're health nuts, and, they're, and we should be doing things to be healthy, because the, the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. But there's a difference between being diligent about it and going overboard. But God's saying, and I've mentioned this before, who is wiser? You or God? Most of you aren't so sure. <laughs> well, think about who do we turn to? Because we may answer rotely or, you know, oh, God's wiser than I am, but what you really believe is shown by how we act. God's saying... The thing you should be the most diligent about, diligent about is guarding your own heart. And the reason for this two-part series is to awaken us to this. Because this works whether you know it or not. This is working. Your life right now is a result of what you've sown into your heart. What you're dealing with right now, the level of faith you're at, the level of difficulty in your life, your finances, everything because we're going to see why. For out of it spring or issues forth the issues. That word issues means the forces, the outflow of life. So the life that you're living now is a result of what's flowing out of your heart. And the way you know what's flowing out of your heart is what's flowing out of your mouth. Oh, not in church. Because we know, praise God, hallelujah. I am a child of God. But go out to your car this morning and find two flat tires. And what happened to the God who's great? The God who can do all things. The God of, God of mercy. The God of greatness. We sing, how great is our God? And then we go home and we panic over bills that we don't know how we're going to pay. Guard your heart. This is what God's saying to us. I'm telling you, God, this is, I'm speaking, God's saying to you, I'm saying to you, guard, I know how I, God's saying, I know how I made you. I know how I designed you. And I'm instructing you, guard your heart more than anything else. With all diligence. Not just on Sunday morning, when you're coming to church and need to have a good heart towards people. Guard your heart in the middle of the night when you wake up and your mind goes to somebody that offended you. Guard your heart at those times. Guard your heart when you're under stress. Guard your heart. God, this is so, so strong in me. 
God who made you, God who wants to bless you, God who wants to walk with you and talk with you, God who wants you to follow his son, God who's calling us together, God is saying to us, above everything else, guard your heart. Not your checkbook, not your wallet. When we were in England last summer, there were places that would post warnings. Beware of this area, because pickpockets frequent this area. So my wallet went in my front pocket with my hand on it. I was guarding my wallet with all diligence, because somebody with foresight gave me a warning to do that, because I'm not smart enough to know how the pickpockets might work. But I know if I got my grimy little hands on it, they're not like, they're going to pry my fingers off of it in order to get it. I was guarding my wallet with all diligence. But we most of the time don't guard our hearts because we're not even conscious of what's going into our hearts or what's coming out of our hearts. All right, let's move along. All the forces of good or evil, listen to this, all the forces of good or evil, spiritual good and spiritual evil, flow out of your heart. Godly ones, faith, love, patience, healing, grace, everything that God has for you and wants to flow through you flows into and out of your heart. But evil works in your heart also. Strife, jealousy, sickness. James chapter 3. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking, where? In your hearts. Do not boast and lie against the truth. Don't deny it. If it's in there, recognize that it's in there. And it's going to tell you why. Verse 15. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly or fleshy, sensual. Look at that third one. It's demonic. So many of us have been allowing Satan through demons to sow into our heart that God is telling us out of it flow all the issues of life. But because we're ignorant of what's going on and we're walking along dealing with everything's based on how we see and how we feel, we're not aware of what's going on spiritually inside of us and then we wonder in a crisis why we fall apart. We wonder why we become afraid when the world's falling, going to hell in a handbasket, when we're supposed to be the pillars of truth, the church is. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. This is the parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4, I didn't tell them to put this up, but in Mark chapter 4 verse 13, which is, there's a version of this that's in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. And there are little differences in them that add something to it. In Mark's version, which is in Mark chapter 4 verse 13, Jesus says this, thank you, he said that um, he he reads the he tells them the parable which we'll go through in a minute, and then he says he says do you understand this parable? How then will you understand 
all the parables. What Jesus is telling us here is this parable that we're going to go through right now is the most important part of his teaching because if you don't understand this and put this into practice, you'll hear what he says, but you won't receive what what he says will not do you any good. So he's teaching them a foundational principle here about their heart and guarding their heart. He's teaching them how God works with us to mature us and to grow us, how God works with us to protect us and to guide us and to direct us. God very rarely does it through a billboard. God usually does it. His primary way is to do it through your spirit, your heart. God touches your heart, motivates your heart, changes direction in your heart, but He can't do it unless you understand this principle. So Jesus is saying, if you don't get this one, you can't possibly get anything else that I'm teaching. So this is that important. So let's go back to Matthew 13. And we'll read through the story. Most of you are familiar with it. But I want to read through it. So it's our own light show today. Some churches just do this as part of the service. Maybe we're going, maybe God's leading us in a different direction. I don't know. (laughs) Matthew 13, verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And a great multitude were gathered together to him, huge crowd, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. It didn't get on the road. And and the birds came and devoured them. Some seeds fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, much depth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of the soil or earth. And when the sun was up and they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, and others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. And here's the lesson. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We're going to explain that in a minute. It's interesting because in the book of Revelation, the letter that Jesus dictated to the Apostle John, at the end of... uh, he, he, He told him to write a letter to seven of the different churches in Asia Minor. And at the end of each one of them, he says, he, to, to churches, he spoke something different to seven different churches. Because he, and he starts up by saying, I know where you are. So he knows where Faith Christian Center is. I don't mean that it's in Seekonk. He knows spiritually where we are. He knows spiritually where you are. And he wants to tell us what he sees because he loves us. And he ends each of them by giving them instructions. And then he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So the Spirit of God is saying something to Faith Christian Center. And the question is, do we have ears to hear what he's saying? And in order to have ears to hear, we have to understand this parable. So let's go into it. The story. We'll pick up in verse 10. 
And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to us in parables? He said, this sounds a little confusing, but he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That sounds like God has favorites. And he's picked the pastors. He's picked certain people and said, what, I'm going to give this message to everybody, but only you have been chosen to hear this message. That can't be what God... This is what you've got to learn to take. Don't take a verse out of context of the whole Bible. The Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. God loves everyone of the same. God gives everyone the same opportunity. It may be to do different things. So that can't mean that God has favorites. So what does it mean? Let's look at verse 12. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But to who he... But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. What's he talking about there? Have what? Ears to hear. So what Jesus is saying here is those of you that have ears to hear, not only will you get what you have, it will grow in you and become abundance in you. But those of you who hear the same things, but your heart is not open to hear, even what you heard you're going to lose. So on a Sunday morning like this, with, I don't know, 500 people here, whatever, all of you are hearing the same words, but not all of you are hearing it. And some of you, it will open things up in you, and you will be excited, or maybe, maybe you'll be corrected, whatever it is. And, and you, because you've opened and responded and received the word, God's able to take that word you heard this morning and begin to expand it in you. As you open your Bible, He can begin to talk to you about it, and it becomes an abundance of you. Those of you that don't have ears to hear, because you just want to survive this morning and get the coffee and get out of here, even the little you hear will get stolen from you. Verse 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they don't see, and hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. What's he saying here? God, Jesus, the most precious pearls he has, he told them in stories. Why? Because what happens when he's done is the disciples came to him and asked him what it meant. I asked the Lord one time, you know, I was, I went, I was a lawyer for 20-some years. You know, and I, you know, when I studied the, the law, it was written in, 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 in statute books. And you could have a system of finding out what does the law say about this. You could just go and look to it. And I said, God, how come you didn't write the Bible that way? How come it's so hard? You've got to pull this part out of here and this part out of here and this part out of here. And I may disagree with somebody else on what they say. Why didn't you just spell it out what you want us to know? And the Lord brought me to this. He said, because those who have ears to hear will dig in to find the truth. You have as much understanding of this word as you want. God will show you whatever He has. He's holding nothing back. But what we're limited by is what we want. And so He would share these beautiful truths in a story and the majority of people just would leave and say, Wow! Pastor had a great message today. That was a great story. Wow! Wasn't that great? He talked about sheep. He talked about, you know, coins. He talked about all these neat things. Wow! I don't know what he was doing, but it was, these were entertaining stories. And that was it. They heard, but they didn't have ears that were inclined towards his sayings. They didn't attend 
to his words. But the disciples were in a different place. They had left everything to follow this man. They want to know, what is it you're telling us? So when you decide to leave and follow him, there's an urgency to get what this word is telling you because you're living by this word. Keep going. And in them the pro- oh, this is in them the prophecy Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, "Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand; and seeing you will see and not perceive." So Isaiah is saying here that you're, there are people that, that hear the words, but they don't hear it, and they see what God's doing, but they don't really see it. Verse fifteen. Why? Why do? Why do some of us see? what God's showing us and others look at the same thing and they don't see it. Why do some of us hear what God's saying to us but others hear the words but they don't hear it? Look, here's the answer. For the heart of this people have grown dull. That means insensitive. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Why? Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their, verse 16, hearts and turn, that means repent, and I should heal them. Basically what Jesus is saying there is, I speak to them in parables because some people hear the words, but they don't want to hear the truth that I'm saying. Because if they hear the truth, they're now responsible for it and accountable to it and that truth will push you to change your heart, change your attitudes, maybe change some of your friends. It will produce changes in your life and some people, most people, don't want to change. They're content with right where they are. They come to church, they read their Bible, maybe if they're really good, they say prayers, maybe, but they don't want to change. Jesus dictated a letter to one of those churches. It was at Laodicea. He says, you're content, you're happy, you think you're rich. You think, he's talking spiritually, you think you've got, you know, you've got all the gifts of the Spirit flowing, you see miracles, all this, and you think you're great. Here's how I see you, wretched, poor, and naked. Because he's not looking at the outward signs. He's looking at the hearts. And early in John, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, he says, you know, I've come as a light into the world, but, the, but, they, but many love the darkness rather than the light. Because the light will shine on what's going on in their heart, and they don't want to look at it. You notice most, pl- I hope you don't notice it because you go there, but most places that we would call places of sin, whether they're bars or whatever it is, they're all dark inside. Concerns me that a lot of churches are dark inside right now. I never thought of that before. I'm not judging anybody. And we're not dark today because of intention. It's something didn't happen right. Don't go preaching John. We've got to move on. Oh, wow, do we have to move on. Keep going. Verse 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, because they hear. And now he's going to go on and explain the parable. Assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and they didn't see it. Why? Because they were at an earlier time. And hear what you hear, and they didn't hear it. 
In other words, do you realize the opportunity you guys have? You're getting to see things Elijah didn't get to see, but he longed to see them. Isaiah didn't get to see, but he longed to see them. You're seeing what they couldn't see. They sensed it, but they couldn't see it because they weren't here. Now, I'm here. You can see. You can hear because God is standing in front of you, speaking to you. Verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Now he's going to explain it. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom of God. Now stop there a second. Over in, we're not going to turn there, but in Luke's version of this, verse 11, he says the, the, the seed is the word of God. So in this parable, the seed that's being sown is God's word. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. That doesn't just mean understand with the mind. That means receive with the heart. Then the wicked one comes, that's Satan, and snatches away the word that's sown in their heart. So which tells you right away, whenever the God's word is spoken or read, there's a battle going on. Because yeah. Satan understands what the church doesn't understand, that the, out of the heart flow the issues of life. So Satan's primary goal is to keep God's Word from getting in your heart. If it gets in there, he's going to still try to steal it out. And if he doesn't steal it out, there's something else he's going to do. We'll talk about it in a minute. The wicked one comes and snatches it away. Notice immediately. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever challenge you've got through, whatever persecution, whatever battles you're going through, it's not personal. The devil doesn't care about you. It's the word sown in your heart he's after because he knows what that word will do if it takes root in your heart and he is scared of that root word that takes root in your heart because he knows what it will do to his kingdom. Now if he's smart enough to know that, the church needs to wake up. This is the one who received the seed by the wayside. Verse 20. That's the side of the road. He who received the seed in stone, but he who received the seed in stony places, he hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Praise God! Hallelujah! Whoa! That is a great word, Pastor John. Word on! This is great! And walk out in two flat tires and fall apart. We need to take an inventory of ourselves. Does that happen? Do you get excited at one moment when you see something and then fall apart? The next moment or the next day, maybe this is the answer. Because it has no root in himself. Oh, in the mind, we understand the word. See, you've heard the word. See, the word can give you inspiration. Because you can see it. But it's only the word that gets sown in your heart and takes root in your heart because then the fruit comes out of what's growing in your heart, not the excitement of your mind or your flesh. And part of my concern for where this youngest generation is because all over the world there's a great revival happening among young people, young teenagers when there's huge churches coming together and worshiping God and just joy and excitement and thrill but the concern that the older Christian leaders have is they're not getting the word sown in their heart and this is why at the end of last year two major young Christian figures that were influencers publicly walked away from their faith. How could they do that? Because they were not keeping the word in your heart. This July we'll be married 53 years. 
every morning of those 53 years, I have not awakened saying, Oh, I'm so deeply in love with you. This feels so wonderful. Not every day. If it had, I wouldn't still be here, she wouldn't be here, and neither would any of you that are married. We're together 53 years because we made a covenant commitment with each other to come hell or high water, and they both come. We were going to stick this out. We might kill each other. A commitment that was made based on words. We've chosen to live them out, whether it's easy or whether it's not easy. This is what God is calling us to, a commitment to Him that's not based on how we feel. It's not based on whether I'm happy or not happy. It's not whether based on whether I feel safe or God's asking difficult things of me. It's based on my commitment to Him through Christ Jesus. Because when tribulation and persecution arises, because of the Word, it's always because of the Word in your heart. Satan knows if that Word grows, he's in trouble. Immediately they stumble. Verse 22. But he who receives the seed among the thorns, this is the biggest one to talk about, we don't much time, is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and in Luke's version, he has a third, which is the desire for other things. Satan, if he can't keep the word from being sown in your heart, if he can't steal it before it takes root, will sow other things into his heart that will draw away the nutrients and the water that will compete with the seed's need for what's in your heart. Notice what's in this. The cares of this world. I don't know if I can pay my bills. I don't know if I can pay my mortgage. I don't know if I'm going to do this. The kids are a mess. They're off. They're going crazy. They're jumping off a cliff. It's, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. The stuff of a life that comes at you. Understand why it comes at you. Yes. He's trying to sow it into your heart by worrying. Yes. Worry is meditation on the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Worry is sowing it into your heart. When you worry about the cares of your life, you're sowing a seed that Satan's fed to you. You're sowing it. Satan can't sow it in your heart. He can bring it to you, but you're the one that takes that seed and you plant it in your heart. And what does it do? It chokes off the fruitfulness of the Word. So you come to church every Sunday. You go to a connect group. You do all the things you're supposed to do. And you read your Bible and you pray and you tithe. And yet it's not working for you. Why? What's competing for that Word in your heart? What's drawing the life of that Word out of your heart? And what else is growing in there that's competing with it? This may be the most important thing you've ever heard as a Christian. That's what Jesus said. If you can't understand this, you won't get the rest of what I have for you. Yeah, Mark 4, 19 includes the desire for other things. But let's look quickly, we got a minute, let's look at these things. The deceitfulness, the cares of this world. What does God say about that? God says, 
Cast your cares upon me. Roll them over. Literally, it's the images of a, a, a camel with a burden on its back getting down and rolling it off. Cast your care off on me. And it, it, is, it says in the Greek, once and for all. Roll your care over on me. Why? The Amplified says, because it matters to me, God says, concerning you. God wants all your care. He doesn't want you burdened down with cares. He doesn't want those in your heart. Well, so if I don't care about it, who's going to take care of it? Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. Instead, make your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. The things you're tempted to be worried about, the pressures of your life, take them to your heavenly Father who knows your need. Before. He wants to be the one that takes your cares. He wants to be the one... Do you think He can solve your problems better than you can? Jesus tells us in, in the Sermon on the Mount is, is to, to be anxious for nothing. He says, instead, make your request known unto your Father. Take no thought concerning tomorrow. He doesn't mean you can't plan or have a budget. He's meaning worry. Don't allow a thought of worry into your heart. Instead, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things you need will be added unto you. God can do a much better job of providing for you and taking care of you than you ever can. And that goes to the next thing, the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness is the riches are going to solve your problems. I've worked with some very wealthy men who were miserable. Wealth will not make you happy. Wealth will not make you secure. They've done surveys of people that have won the lottery that went from nothing to having multi-millions of dollars suddenly and the majority of their lives fell apart. Because suddenly all their problems were solved because I've got millions of dollars and of course everybody's after their money. Now they've got relatives and friends they never knew they had. And the desire for other things, which is in Mark's account, that talks about getting our needs placed solved by putting our desire on other things besides God first. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Alright, so where do we go from here? We're going to look at next time how to apply this in our lives. We're going to look at what do we do what do we do? We're going to take verse, Proverbs 4.23 primarily. What do I do to guard my heart with all diligence? How do I guard my heart? Because today what we're learning is from God's perspective, and He's the one that knows. Jesus said, if you can't understand this, I can't really get much into you. How critical our, your heart is and my heart is. As a pastor... I have many opportunities to get offended. People come to me or now they can email me and say, Pastor, this is the most wonderful church in the world. Oh, and you're the greatest pastor I've ever had and I love you so much. And three weeks later I hear they went to some other church and said them the same thing. In my humanness, I could get offended or hurt. I stop, I don't go to Facebook because I don't want to see what people may be saying about the church or about you or about me. 
I'm on Instagram because I can communicate with my kids through pictures that way. But Instagram doesn't do some of the things Facebook does. I guard my heart. I don't want to look at some stuff that's out there. I don't just watch the news. I'll check it. And the wonderful thing about the, about the internet is I can check headlines to see like if any major thing has happened. But I don't have CNN or Fox News or any of them where you've got somebody that thinks he's an expert telling you how to interpret what somebody else just said. And there's a banner running this way and another banner running this way. And you're getting inundated with seeds. Everything you hear and everything you see is a seed that's intended to get sown in your heart. Everything. We'll talk about this next time. Everything you see, everything you see, everything you hear is a seed sown by someone that's intended to get root in your heart and produce some kind of fruit. And so you need to decide what fruit do you want to see in your life. And then you've got to guard your heart to watch what seeds planted there. My mother was a great gardener. She was a horticulture. She, could, she knew the Latin names for things. I did not get that gifting. I have a black thumb. She could grow anything anywhere. The only thing I could grow as a kid was dirt, something under my fingernails. I've killed plants... But my mother could grow, but she, she planted things intentionally. She never had tulips coming up by accident. I don't know where they came from. My goodness, how they seems. And I had the job of pulling out things that were growing there she didn't plant. It's called weeding. We'll talk about that next time. The focus of today is just to wake us up and realize the criticalness of what's in my heart. So I have to be careful. I have a list of people I pray for that if I didn't pray for them and thought about them, a fence would grow in my heart. Because they've done things or said things about me or, or hurt me or hurt people that are dear to me. I'm talking about in the congregation, in my family. And I have to guard my heart with all diligence. Because if I just let that grow in me a little bit, it's going to come out when I'm up here. I may not say anything about them, but if there's strife in me, that will come out with a little bit of an edge. And you may not feel it, I may not feel it, but I understand the principle enough. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. With all diligence. Many of you have burglar alarms and smoke alarms and things here those are designed to guard your house you're careful to lock your door when you leave especially if you don't live in a safe neighborhood why? you're guarding your house with all diligence why? because you value and treasure that house and what's in that house you value and treasure your children you value and treasure your possessions so you guard it with all diligence and yet the most valuable thing we have is our heart God says, and we don't guard it hardly at all. Next time we'll pick up and look at how we can begin to guard our hearts. And then not just guard it, how we can sow, take the principle and begin to sow in our lives seeds that will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold for our lives, our family, and the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, you are a God who loves us so much. And you lay it out for us. 
And then you give us your spirit to speak it to us and then to help us to receive it. I pray, Father, today that the seed that's been sown this morning through your word will find rich soil in our hearts. That the spirit of the living God who lives in us will take the words that we've heard and sow them now deep in our heart and help us and strengthen us to uproot whatever it is in our hearts and lives. Maybe it's strife, Lord. Maybe there are people here that are having trouble with strife with somebody or, or maybe it's somebody that's long gone, a family relative, a parent or someone that's gone and they still, there's something that clicks inside of them, that twists inside of them when they hear their name. Father, help us to see today and this week ahead the things that are growing in our hearts so that we can discern that which is of God and that which is not of God. The fruit that you want to bring forth in our hearts and the fruit that none of us want to come forth in our hearts. May we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to grasp what you are saying to Faith Christian Center this day. For that we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we close the service, we always give an opportunity for someone that may never have received Christ.